Oh, so good to see you guys are packing in Sunday night. Love you guys for showing up. Chopper Town, what's up? Chris Summer Simmons in the house. John Mills. Luis, what's going on? Couple minutes, man. We're just six minutes out from stopping, starting shop talk. I want to let that audience build up a little bit. Barclay Smashley, Smashy back in the house. Lance Baxter, Rob Nussbaum, what's up? left to go on the clock jason sims in the house man you guys were great today thank you so much for coming on earlier today if you missed it cyber swap meet every sunday morning we go live at 10 a.m eastern standard time killer parts on there today man whole evo motors whole shovelhead motors jason sims blew everyone's mind with some killer parts if you missed any of that stuff make sure you get back to the cycle source website cyclesource.com hit the CyberSwap button, and you can see all of the parts that were listed as up for sale today. If you missed a chance to grab any of that, there was a lot of stuff that sold today, so I'm not guaranteeing you're going to get it, but go give it a shot. Winding down that clock, we're looking at three and a half minutes now until we go live with Shop Talk Sunday night here in Source Headquarters. Stick around. Just three minutes left, you know, and quite honestly, we were starting a little bit late, so let's get this one up on the tracks, pull it out of the station. It's time to go live with Shop Talk. It's Sunday.
right, out of the gate with a shot. It's 9 p.m. or just after here on the East Coast. That means it's time for another episode of Shop Talk. I'm your host, Chris Callen, coming to you live from 50 floors below the street level. Here we are in the uh, Dennis Kirk studio. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Going to be a fantastic show. As always, I'm joined by my crew. What's up, Howdy, howdy. How's everybody doing tonight? Peachy, peachy. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. (laughs) Peachy. Oh, dude, I'm going right to Mark with that. I like, I like peaches. <laughs> you like peaches? peaches? I like peaches. No, what did you do all weekend? I came over and helped you move a, a 63 no pillar impala in, into the, in the garage. Right? It's actually in the garage. That's what's up. That's it's what's crazy. up. So many great, great people that are week after week, man, coming here and hanging out with us. We appreciate it. This is Shop Talk. If it's your first time watching, it's uh, 90 to 120 minutes of all the bullshit we can fit. We throw in a little bit of entertainment. We uh, song we, and dance. We have song and dance. We have some friends stop by. Always starts off with a little thing we call the news. First up in the news tonight, and this is bittersweet for anyone that knew her and people that were just a fan. Even race car driver Jesse Coombs awarded world speed record after fatal crash. Um, American race car driver Jesse Coombs was posthumously awarded the Women's World Land Speed Record on Wednesday. Coombs, known as the fastest woman on four wheels, won the award for the 2019 attempt that claimed her life at just age 39. She drove 522.783 miles per hour before the fatal crash last August to eclipse the Guinness Book of Records for fastest time ever clocked by a woman. The... uh, we we actually flipped coins here to see who was going to read this this <laughs> statement, and I'm going to give it a shot. But Coombs' partner Terry Madden wrote an emotional response on Instagram. No record could ever be worth her not being here. Madden wrote, but it was a goal that she really wanted. And as hard as it is for me to even look at the car without crying, I'm so proud of her. She woke up that morning to an alarm saying, "Let's make history," and we had an absolutely amazing day. This is coming in from the USA Today, and folks, and uh, we appreciate it, man, sharing this story with you guys. Super, super sad, but like I said, man, it's bittersweet, right? I mean, how do you? You, you have to you have to let that go out on a high note. How many times <clears throat> do we say after we first announced this news that if if it was me, oh, this is this is how I want to go. I mean, she did exactly what she set out to do that day. Absolutely, like, and that's it. Now yeah. move on because I'm going to cry. Okay, <laughs> over to Mark. Well, oh, she she was amazing. So she deserves it. No questions asked. Uh, like uh, like you said, it would be super. Uh, Super sad to have uh, have to even look back and think about what happened, but she was an amazing person. Anybody got to spend five minutes Dude, with her was lucky. What what an amazing story too. Yeah. So moving on, next story up in the news: Harley <clears throat> Davidson cutting jobs in Tomahawk and Pennsylvania. This is coming in from our friends at the uh, Business Times. Milwaukee-based Harley Davidson plans to cut around 140 jobs at two plants in the U.S. Company spokesperson said. As a course of normal business, Harley-Davidson regularly adjusts its production plan and appropriate sizes its workforce, the spokesperson said. The cut will include 50 positions in Tomahawk, Wisconsin, where the company produces and paints motorcycle components, and 90 positions in York. 90 positions yeah. in York, dude. Like, that's – those people, some of them are forever employees, you know? Yep, yep. Um, it's a shame. York, York I mean, they, Pens- yeah. what, they just got booted off the S&P. I mean, obviously, some of their past uh, business decisions 
are it's now a, affecting yeah. the, the workers. I'm hoping with their new changing of the guard that yeah. something changes that that they <laughs> they I think they almost need to take a few steps backwards yep. a little bit. Yep. And, and remember know, their roots to be able to yeah, move right. forward. Yeah, right. Yeah, take a look at their what what got them where they were. Like you said, their roots is what got them there. So, yeah. yep. Well, and you know what, man? Like to to throw the other side of that, which like I'm gonna have to play devil's advocate here because if you see in the chat the chat box here, let me point out here, um, John Mills is actually from the roots of Chopper FTF. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, I'm a Chopper guy through and through. But I will say this, and I say it every time: I don't flip my patch. I don't believe that any of this starts and ends without the two letters H and D, and that's it's it's the foundation that we do all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, so. that's kind of where I stand with with that. I mean, you wouldn't have the panhead to make your chopper out of right. if it didn't start at the factory. Yep. So, like somewhere along the way, you have to have that appreciation for them. Yep. You know, maybe not so much of you may not dig what they're doing now, but they started what we all love. Yeah, hey, right they, they got you interested. You know what I mean? If, if not. The old FTF wouldn't exist in all reality. So <laughs> somewhere along the line, they sucked you in. Players going to play, haters going right. to hate. Don't hate. Don't hate the player. Hate, hate the, the game. game. That's right. All right, moving on. Great news as AMA Pro Motocross opens to spectators again. This is fantastic Yes, news. it is. It's about time. The opening two rounds of 2020 Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championship next month in America have been confirmed that they will now host spectators amid changing relaxing rules in certain parts of the country amidst the crisis the jgrmx yoshimura shizuki team rmz and rmz250 riders will be on a track on july 18th in the ironman raceway in indiana and the ww motocross park in jacksonville florida on july 25th following communication between the race organizers local government and local health officials you know this this is coming in from uh from our friends at TMW, but super, super good news. Yeah. Super good news to to say that, you know, we're starting to see some normalcy come back to the things that we do. Having fans at races, you know, as great as like Rob Bitos and Denny and those guys from Fight TV have been doing with the, the you know, the, the Flat Track Fight Club and Moto Fight Club. And I hope that more and more of that's coming out, that particular brand of media. But man, it'll be good to just... Yeah. Go to a race, smell the gas, see the fans in the in the stands, man. So congratulations to them for sure. Yeah, get some of the get some of the uh, involvement, fan involvement. You know, absolutely. So let's uh, let's go to Blondie just for a second here. Take a break from the news and see who's on social media. Ooh, What's going let's on? See. We have Nancy Weems. I like. I've never met Nancy, but I like her already. She's like, let's keep it positive. <laughs> um, Gus Gus is in the house. He said he's prepping for Sturgis. I want to know who said he could come. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I told him we'd find a spot for him. Gus Gus oh, is good. He can good sleep shit. in the yard. <laughs> Just kidding, Gus Gus. Um, Poppy's in the house. Steve Broyles, um, Mike Draco, Dave Curry, our number 64 Cannonball Racer. I love the Cannonball family. I sincerely hope we get to hang out with them this year. Um, as we all know, John Mills is in the house. Um, Chris Summer Simmons, Stan Tazarka. I dislike to say his name because I know I say it right. <laughs> You're killing me. Uh, Rob Nussbaum. Uh, Boston. Chris, no. Boston, what's up? Is that Bruno from Boston? No, Tony. Oh, Tony, tell it. It's, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that when you tell me a town, I can guess guess a name. Um, uh, St. Peter, Minnesota. Well, that Dave, means you remember where you grew up from. 
True. Right. Big Dave Canoy from Tattoos and Turnpikes right is watching on. tonight. We got what a, a we got great a, show. Yeah, and we got a, a uh, inside look, a preview of the next episode, so don't go anywhere for that about halfway through the show. Hey, um, this is the deal, man. This is Shop Talk. We're here. I, I do need a cannonball bike. No, Barclay. he does not, Barkley. absolutely right. Barkley, he does not. Wait a minute. I You're have, fired. I, have I can block you. But I can hit your mute button. <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. How do you like me now? So um, this is the deal. This is Shop Talk. Every Sunday we go live with this, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But we don't want you to just spectate. Don't just sit there. You can see. Look, I can never point the right way. Up on the screen right here is the chat box that's going almost the whole time we're up. And we want to hear from you guys. What's going on in motorcycling? Motorcycling, your part of the world. Where are you coming in from? What do you think about this shit that we're talking about? That's this is awesome. Jared Anderberg just got my boy shifting clutch on a dirt bike just minutes ago. So rad. All right. On, man. Congratulations. How old is he, Jared? Yeah, how old is he? Mark, you remember the first time you, sh- you, you actually foot shifted a motorcycle? Uh yeah, I was probably uh like eleven years old. Yeah. Yep. Uh, wait, I remember the first time I rode a snowmobile and went right to the side of a house. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Brand new snowmobile. Fun memories. Mm-hmm. All right, did man. Did the tree go time. through your leg or did you die and <laughs> No. I did die though. But I came back. It was good. Uh <laughs> sorry. <laughs> all right, moving on. Harley Davidson cutting ties with Northwest Tennessee dealership over Facebook post. This was super hot news this week, dude. Like, and I don't want to get into a whole thing here. So before you guys even no, go yeah, off on a tangent, this is not meant to be political. I'm not even going to read too much about this. I'm going to no. tell you that on Facebook, this particular dealership said that they may or may not have been hacked. There may have may not been a, a slurry of comments that were emotional and probably wildly inappropriate. Oh yeah, Harley Davidson pulled their dealership over it. <laughs> Strange news is Honda, no problem. No problem. Yeah, they're Honda was it. like, "Hey man, you're you're selling you're selling big red. Get it on." That's it. <laughs> That's it. Um, I do think the same person I believe I believe had an Indian dealer that he lost as well. <laughs> he had three dealerships. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure he lost two out of the three for right now. And it's more like, like yes, there should be repercussions yeah. for bad behavior. Common sense, like, people. Just, that's it, yeah. Just here, here's our here's our salute for... Uh, yeah, just... <laughs> nope. All right. Uh-oh. Wait a minute, time out. Okay. Jared Anderberg's kid is six years old. Nice. Wow, get it on, Way to buddy. Go. Get it on. Man, I wish my family was into motorcycling like when I was little. I really do. Yep. I missed out on that. Yes, sir. So moving on to uh, some more news here. We're going to try to get through all of it because we got a killer show coming up. Former NFL lineman, NASCAR official to accompany Sturgis Buffalo Chip Rides. Um, so good to hear Sturgis news, man. And this is coming out of what our, our northern hills. I um, like to give credit to the people that help us out with the news. So the the Sturgis Buffalo Chip released the names of celebrities joining the organized organization's three signature rally rides August 10th through the 12th. Um, riders include Tom Berenger, who returns for another year on the Legends ride, musician and the actor Sean McNabb, Rick Fearless, Stroker Dallas, Stroker's Ice House, NFL Super Bowl champion Earl Dotson, NASCAR vice chairman Mike Helton, and television personality and driver for Stuart Haas Racing Clint Boyer, and more. 
Berenger will captain the 13th annual Legends Ride. And if you have not been on this, I'm going to go off the script for a second. If you have not been on this, Legends Ride is off the hook, man. Leaves Deadwood and, like, just completely scenic crazy ride. The amount of people, like, it's it really is an event. Can I go this year? You can. Awesome. You can. Actually, um, if you get a note from your doctor, <laughs> I'm going to need three ninety five in red M&M's. Um, <laughs> so, I can I can make that happen. You would be surprised. I still have my my doctor connections. Oh, honey, I don't doubt you. Um, here's some good news from the motorcycle world coming into. Um, let me. What happened to my screen over there? Somebody stole it. Uh, Hall of Famers, AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame. The news here coming in from the AMA themselves is. That the Hall of Fame is open, and again, the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame closed to visitors since March 20th in compliance with Ohio's coordinated response to the coronavirus pandemic will reopen on Monday, June 22nd for the enjoyment of fans and students of motorcycling history. In accordance with Ohio's responsible Restart Ohio plan, the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame will follow all safety guidelines in the consumer retail services and entertainment category. These include personal spacing, daily symptom assessment for employees, frequent cleaning of high-touch items and surfaces, directional signage, limited capacity, and no groups larger than 10. Um, you guys can go to AMA.com to check it out. Well, it's actually not AMA.com. It is AmericanMotorcyclist.com. AMA.com will get you to the doctor's website, and that's a drag. Uh, moving on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like I was telling you at the beginning of the show, on CycleSource.com, Tons of news here all the time, man. We're rolling stuff from previous magazines, the news that we run across that we read on this show. But up here, across the top, you see the little square moving. These are all the other shows that we uh, go live with every week. And you can get information, everything from Bike Night Live. You can sign up to be on Bike Night Live. Cyber Swap Meet, if you have parts, you can go on here and sign up to come on and sell parts with us. You'll also be able to see... All of this week's parts on here starting tomorrow. Um, Cannonball Chronicles, which is an outrageous show. Jason Sims and Rob Nussbaum do with us. But go go check this stuff out, man. There's a lot of stuff going on. You know, as bad as the coronavirus has been for our community, our events, it's been hard on our country. For media, it's been incredible because we've had all of us to find new and creative ways to bring information out to you guys. And here at Cycle Source, we've been super busy. So, again, we appreciate everyone that's following on this on this uh, little journey with us. So, thank you. And with it's been that, a journey. It has been a journey, and it just <laughs> it just keeps the road never ends. <laughs> Truer words have not been spoken. Heather. Yes, sir. What do you think? Our first guest tonight. Yes, I'm very excited about Are our you? first guest. Yeah, I am. I genuinely have a soft spot for him. So uh, with that, we're not going to waste any time. This is not going to be a, uh, a particular segment, but I will tell you that every week we do this segment on the uh, Motorcycle Cannonball Chronicles, and... Uh, we only do one picture with him. Tonight we have the honor of having Mr. Michael Lichter with us, and we're going to go through several of his photos in a little segment on Cannibal Chronicles we call Pictures Worth a Thousand Words. Michael, what's up, buddy? Oh, boy. Michael is uh, muted. <laughs> there you How's go. How's that? A little better? <laughs> That's good. Welcome back. 
There you go. I seem to do that every week, but sorry about that. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And I don't know what to say after an introduction like that from your wife. Oh, oh. she's great, right? <laughs> you great. are. You're one of my favorite people. She, she I love even, you, Michael. She, she even talks nice about me when I'm not around. Well, sometimes. <laughs> That's great. Cool. So, so we're good to go. So Pictures Worth a Thousand Words has become one of my favorite segments on Wednesday night with Cannonball Chronicles. And I saw you, I'm going to totally admit in front of God and everyone, that I'm stealing this segment idea from Ella in Italy, Ella Von Dutch. She did a program with you where you guys just sat and went over your photos, and it meant so much to me that I called you up immediately. I did. And I was like, listen, tell Ella, I have to steal this show for the United States. I'm sorry. Whatever kind of compensation, I'll send her 20 bucks. You know? like. <laughs> but it's it's a great idea. So we're going to roll through a bunch of pictures, and uh, th this all comes with a bunch of announcements, too, for you about Sturgis, right? Absolutely. I think we'll, um, this, the show, the exhibition has changed somewhat, but we're going to have five builders on after this thousand word segment. So I'm going to save the changes for that. But I will start by saying that uh, originally I was going to take the whole gallery, but right now I'm going to be sharing with David Yule and Scott Jacobs. So I'm uh, still going to have a, a, probably about 35 or 40 framed images. They'll all be Sturgis images this year. So that's a little bit of a change. And um, there's more to come next year. So we'll explain that uh, as, as we go along. So, and actually, uh, the the pictures that we're going to look tonight, these are all Sturgis. These are all Sturgis photos as well to go along with that, right? That's right. They are. Okay. Well, let's. I'm gonna. I'm uh, unfortunately, I don't know if I have them in any particular order, so I'm just kind of gonna slide you over oh, to. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna, boom. You're gonna hit hard here. here. <laughs> There's picture number one. All righty. Well, well, this, this picture, picture is taken in 1980, 1980 and, and uh, it, was it was my first, first trip, trip to Sturgis, Sturgis and. I call, I call it, it uh, after, after the storm. storm. And, and this, this, of course, is, uh, well, I shouldn't say, say of course, but for me, of course, it was Kodachrome, which is my favorite, favorite kind of film. Kodachrome 64 ASA. It was a love, love of many, many photographers at that time. A uh, sad day when they stopped making it, but it was on, right? And so, anyway, it was taken in the 1980s when we would ride up from Boulder, and Sturgis at that time was more of a weekend sort of event. You'd ride, ride up, up on, on a Friday, Friday and get, get there, there in time, time for a party. party. And uh, we would go to, go to City, City Park, of course, course and party, party all that evening. And the next, next day on Saturday, we rode off to Belfouche to, to the races. I think everybody's goal was to see uh, Pete Hill races Knucklehead. That was <laughs> the highlight there. So we went off to, uh, to Belfouche. And in this particular shot, I was in the back of a pickup truck, a 64 Ford pickup. And it was pouring rain, and it just stopped raining for, uh, I mean, I, I got literally two frames off of this situation before it started storming again. And that's exactly how it looked. It's not enhanced. The rainbow was there. I mean, this golden light was there, and it was really spectacular. But uh, anyway, just one of those things. I think it has a good sense of uh, place, and certainly with time, how often you get that rainbow touching the ground like that. Absolutely. And that's, you know, for anybody that's been through the Sturgis experience, too, I mean, one of the most beautiful times there anywhere, the Badlands, yeah. in, I mean, in Custer, like one of the most beautiful times is when, when you're there right after the storm. You know, the calm after the storm, it just it's like the sun just opens up and, and rewards you for, for going through the storm. Or you're just happy you live through it. Yeah. One or the other. <laughs> yeah, and right. we've been through them with uh, hail coming down as well, right? Oh, oh yeah. 
So one, one of the things that, that brings up, you know, in that last shot, there were a lot of Boulder guys, which is where I'm from, Boulder, Colorado. And I still see a lot of those people. The guy in the right there is called him Fat Albert, and he lives about two blocks from me now, and I see him when I'm headed down to the grocery store. So it's kind of nice that there's that history here because you're talking, that's exactly, well, it will be 40 years old come uh, this first Saturday of August. Right on. So this, uh, this photo is one of the most significant photos I think has ever been taken of Sturgis. And the, the history that's gone along with this over the years just makes it even more iconic. I'm sorry. Are you getting a bit of an echo? I got to get this figured out. No, I got I got it fixed up here. You do? Yeah. So it's not a problem. Nope. Uh, take the headphones off then. Yeah, you're good. Okay. Sorry about that. So uh, this picture here I call early morning, and it was taken in 1979. So this one is 41 years old on the first mm. Saturday morning of August this year, and uh, I was camped a little to the right of the frame, and. I like this photo for a number of reasons, and I think I liked it at the time, but I like it more with time. It's, uh, to me, has a sense of time and place, which is something that I think I really love when you can capture both those in a photo. And to me, in terms of place, it's City Park. But uh, also with time, it's, uh, if you look back, there's pup tents and panhead choppers and, and this guy with you know, a leg resting against the tire and happens to have a Harley sticker on the leg. And of course, this was before Harley even enforced uh, their trademark. And so you know, anybody could print logos and whatnot. But I like that people weren't really wearing the shirts. And there's that one simple sticker on the leg, on the prosthetic leg, and he's wrapped in a moving blanket. Yeah. So uh, and I know this shot, we, I Somebody came up to me years later, actually it was in the early 2000s, said, do you remember me? And I said, uh, well, you know, I usually remember faces from my photos, even though I've taken thousands and thousands. And he said, well, how about this? And he lifts, his, he lifts the blue jeans off his leg, and I see a prosthetic leg. And I look at him, and I said, early morning? And he said, yeah, that's me. No way. And uh, that's how I met Ed Rican. He just came up to me that way. And the, the photo was on exhibit at the Journey Museum in Rapid City. It was 2001. And in the years that followed, we, we got to be friends, and he came out to visit in Colorado with his buddy. And, uh, and I think there's more to the story that you may want to add to it. But again, I like the feel of this. It's very early in the morning. I think I'd been up all night and straggled off from my uh, sleeping bag to walk around and see what was going on and, and took this picture. And this is another one. Just like the last one, there were two frames of this, and this one is better than the last. The one was taken a, about a foot or two <clears throat> apart from this one. And this was the frame I liked better. But that's what it was like with film. You know, you were very judicious. You yeah. didn't shoot a lot because it cost a lot. But uh, anyway, you may want to add a little bit on this story because I think Ed has become quite a character yeah, in, our, in our circle. He has. And I'm not, I'm not going to overshadow. This is, this is your night, and I'm not going to overshadow too much. But what I want to mention about this photo, and I'm going to go back to the screen of you while I'm talking about this even. When you look at this picture, it is it is very indicative of a generation. Yep. You know what I mean? Like the bikes that are in that picture, the type of prosthetic leg it is, the type of footwear that he has on, even the packing blanket suggests a, a moment in time, a generation. Well, years and years after this picture, and I had known this picture, I'd had this on my bedroom wall forever when oh, I was yeah. a kid. Like, So years and years after this picture, we were doing Big Mountain Run, and a kid comes on the run with us that has a prosthetic leg and he's telling us about his roommate that taught him to ride a motorcycle again after he lost his leg. 
he goes on and on and eventually somewhere through the weekend he mentions that this is the guy from that picture so the next year he brings ed with him yeah and ed's been part of our family oh, ever since oh, i mean yeah. he's he's incredible but the story like what we ended up doing was in tribute to you and to ed we re- recreated this photo and i don't even have it here but it was it was how even though the generations had changed and it must have been 20 years or better that passed between those two f- pictures there he was in at big mountain run with you know choppers of the day yep. spread out just like this it was early morning big mountain run and the shoe was a vans tennis shoe the prosthetic obviously the technology of prosthetic limbs had advanced you know between those two time periods and it was just such a beautiful thing to see that the spirit of what's behind all this was really what the picture was about not the generations not the age not the you know what i mean like it was just it conveyed through those two generations that that many years that had passed between it was just made this picture so much more for me right you know i think it speaks of history doesn't it you know i also say and you'll see this with some other photos how to me i i've my <coughs> last 40 years i've so focused on the motorcycle culture and and custom bikes but to me, that culture, like, like any microcosm of, of the larger whole, tells the story of the whole. So to me, the story of bikers in America tells the story of what we've gone through in America. I think you'll see that some more in some of the pictures that come up. Absolutely. So moving on to the... I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say it's really been great that Ed has become such a character in, and when he comes out and about with his dogs. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and you guys will probably recognize that if if you've uh, ever seen a man with a, a dog riding the bike more more ferociously ferociously <laughs> yeah. than than he is. That's it, because the, the dogs are getting it on. Yes, boy. they are. Uh, this next shot here, it's Lori Dalton, and uh, she was a female racer in the '80s, and uh, I like the shot. I call it off the line. And one of the things I like about it at this time, you didn't see a lot of women riders on Harleys. Uh, it was starting to become more popular. Chris Simmons, you know, they had uh, Harley Women's Magazine. It was just out at that time. And Lori was, you know, she was such an inspiration to, to so many women riders as well. But what I like about the photo is it's this split second of time. For one thing, um, it's the setting, it's the Sturgis drag strip which they took that background down. At the end of the day, this was when the strip was really packed and the people would be back there and the sun would be coming in. It's that magic hour. The light is just looking great. And Lori comes off the line. And one thing I think is, I'm not sure, I'd have to talk to more drag racers, but I think women are very spot on with their reflexes. Oh, and yeah. I, I think I conveyed that in this photo because you, the look in her face is so intent, mm-hmm. looking down that strip and looking down at the, at the tree of lights. And then if you notice the front end, the tire is off the ground. And if you look close at the back end, you'll see the compression where that tire is twisting. And the rubber is, it's almost like it's, the rim is going to touch the ground. That's how, it was just that moment where the power was being transferred to the, to the rubber there and right to the pavement. I want to bring that up for a second just to show everybody sure. too. You can yeah, see Yeah, and, and the look the on her wrinkle. face too. Yep. The, the wrinkle of that tire is, is priceless because that is exactly the moment where that bike is hooking oh, up, yeah. man. That's so badass. That just goes to show that eight pounds of air you're running out to get all the hookup you can is just taking all the pressure. Yep. And look at her reflexes. Isn't that something? Her eyes are uh, – it's, 
it's to me it's magical to look at her eyes like that I, I think it's fantastic so caught in the moment and that's another thing that i love to photograph is people doing what they love to do they're not thinking about the camera they are just totally in the moment and that's what it's about oh and that's a and the the look in her face the extreme um like pressure that's going through your mind at that time i mean i've actually done exactly that at that speed uh, at that that racetrack and uh boy what an iconic moment oh my god you know mentally for you i mean we did the first flash race hardly ever did there and uh man that was an amazing racetrack mm -hmm. yeah absolutely all right cool. what do you got next here surprise me i'm so <laughs> i'm sorry that i'm doing it that way i know you like to be more organized than that oh uh, this is i call this one Bobber at the Bar and Grill. So you're testing my memory here. Uh, it was taken in 1979. And what I like about this photo is um, really the sense of time, but it's a little misplaced because it was 79. But if you ask me, I think it could have been taken in 59 or maybe even 49. Uh, it's very close. You don't see any all the logos on the shirts. You see a lot of yep. uh, kind of the checkered shirts and, and just simple. And, and this Bobber is... Such a classic bobber. I mean, it is perfect. And this happened to be in front of Gunners, which really sadly closed a few years ago, which was a, a staple on Main Street in Sturgis. But all it says is the bar and lounge. A lot of times I take my titles from the photos. And in this case, I did. You know, the bobber at the bar and lounge is pretty yeah. clear. But uh, to me, it also reminds me of uh, the Life magazine photo, which, of course, was staged you yeah, know, yeah, uh, yeah. many years later. I can but, see uh, that, though. Of the famous Hollister incident that was, of course, the root of... Uh, of the very famous film, right, with Marlon Brando. You know what I love most about this picture is when you look at this, and this was a this was a realization that I had when I was building my panhead. When I got to build my first panhead chopper, it was a tribute to my old man and all of his friends, right? So I was so fired up to do it because I remembered their bikes being perfect, like spotless. You know, they were delivered from the gods, you know, through the clouds, from the gods. And when you really look at these, you start to you start to remember that a lot of these parts weren't supposed to be on yeah. these bikes, and it was a lot of it was mismatch, and you know, and it's really what defined the style of the chopper and where all this came from. But it wasn't exactly as perfect and as you know complete as we as we thought. With well, the picture that's in your head when you're a young man, is very few times does it does it represent what was actually there. And your memory sort of glorifies it. Absolutely. And, and boy, I'll tell you, with custom bikes, that happens. Because I think a lot of the young people now, they go, they're trying to build bikes that are like from the day and old survivors and whatnot. But I think the quality of the bikes they're building today is is just astounding. The yeah. technical abilities of oh, the yeah. builders these days is is phenomenal. They're ability to shape metal into anything. So they've taken it to another level that was never existed back in the day. Absolutely. So I can I can help you out here as we go. I should have been doing this from the beginning, but I actually have the ability to tell you which which photo this is by title. This one's called Caught in the Light. Oh, I could have told you that. See, you, you got to <laughs> test me first. I'm, I'm aging, but my memory is still pretty good. So I call it Caught in the Light. And this is my, really my favorite photo of the the Sturgis 50th, which was in 1990. So uh, another photo that's 40 years old, but uh, no, 30 years old. And uh, the way I describe this is he hits me, and I don't know who he is, maybe one of your listeners does, but he hits me like 
really a deer in the headlights. You know, there's this just quick glance. The flash in this case, a lot of times I use off-camera flash. I'm holding it on a long stick. You probably see me running around with this giant pole in the air. But in this case, it was right on camera and right in his face, just the way a headlight would catch a deer. And yeah. just the way the deer could turn and look at you, uh, it, to me, it's phenomenal. And, and the, torn, the torn shirt is as if you know, the, the deer got caught and the skin was torn and some sort of fencing or whatever. But that's how, what it reminds me of. Yeah, it, it looks to me like this cat had a hell of a day. <laughs> and that was his only shirt he brought with him. Yeah. So. Yeah, and what, what's that hanger doing there, you know? It's like, <laughs> right? <laughs> go figure. But, uh, you know, it's funny because a lot of people they have a good friend, an artist here in town. He's a wonderful painter and photographer. And he uh, comes from a painting background. So he has no qualms with putting things in, taking them out, changing things, cleaning it up. And he says, to me, you know, why don't you just get rid of that? And I go, can't get rid of it. Yeah. That was yeah. there. I can't touch it. Now I could adjust color the way we do in a darker. I'll do darker kinds of things. I did start cropping my photos about five, six years ago, which was a big thing for me. I know. But uh, as far as taking something in and out to me, uh, fake news comes to my mind, but uh, I just can't do it. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm not going to say the title of this one unless you need me. Uh, okay. I think it's Choppers on Maine. At, choppers on Maine at Junction in Maine. Junction in Maine. Okay, yeah. choppers at Junction in Maine, and uh, yeah, I just made a beautiful print of this the other day. Or I should say, Sean made a beautiful print of it. Um, and there's a sense again, time and place. You know, to me, I love the cars at the left. Yeah. You know, to me, cars really give a sense of time because it it, it dates a photo. And then there's of course. The barbershop, which existed for many years, and this was before Rossini took it over. So at this time, you could still go in and get a barber, you know, get a haircut on the corner of Junction and Main. Wow. And you think of this corner as being the main corner of Sturgis right. with hundreds of people there. And then for years, the barbershop was leased out to Rossini's, and it became famous for his tattoo parlor. And then eventually, the building was torn down, and it's Hot Leathers now. So, uh, and then of course, the style of bikes, you know, there's a Honda in there, a Triumph, or it's. Uh, yeah, it, it was just different. Yeah, what and, is and that? The way people are dressed and the way they're standing around, and that's I, a, I get that's the a CB seven seven fifty four man. Yeah, that, yeah, that was exactly. you, you were the cat's ass if you had one of them, buddy. And exactly. ahead of everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And I wish I had noticed. Unfortunately, this was seventy nine. I sure wish I had noticed that sign that says no parking. I can't read it from here, but maybe four a.m. to six a.m. Uh, because I woke up the next day and my bike was gone. It was like somebody stole my bike. I looked out and I'm on main street sleep and it's like, what the, I couldn't believe it. I was freaked. And then somebody said, Nope, just towed. What a mess. Uh, this, this next picture, I want to title this my family reunion, but <laughs> okay. it's actually, actually yeah, titled, buddy. it's actually titled faces, <laughs> faces, city park Sturgis, 1979, I believe, because this was August of 79. And for anyone that can recall, or maybe is a history buff, they would know that this is in the middle of the Iran crisis, the hostage crisis. Yeah, Iran, Iran Contra. <laughs> and that continued until January 20th of 1980, until Inauguration Day when Reagan came in. That and so day too. the sentiment that there day. that you see on the one shirt, uh, you know, and again, look, not much for logos on shirts and the way people are dressed. And this is pretty, it was pretty simple times. No cell phones, no people distracted. Yeah. You're there in the moment. And, uh, 
Yeah, and to me, it's just faces. That's what it's about, people's faces. And I always say, you know, 20 years, 30 years later, you could change one letter on the shirt and the sentiments are probably still shared, you know. But, um, you know, that's the way it was. It was some pretty strong feelings and, and they they wore them. Yeah, buddy. Fantastic picture. Yeah, that's that's a great that picture. That is a beautiful photo. Okay, another one. And this one, over, over time, this has almost been, this has almost been a, a definition of Sturgis. I mean... This picture is, is so iconic. Well, time and place. So in terms of place, many of you may recognize Bear Butte in the background. Uh, we're out on Highway 79, I believe. Is that yeah, what it's called, going north? Yeah. Yep. Highway 79. And uh, I have some other pictures on this road where we're drag racing in the middle of the day. Where I mean, you never even thought about cops. And, of course, you know what it's like now. But uh, and, the, and the speed limits and whatnot. But... Uh, this is Paul Cox, and I call the photo Looking Back, and it's uh, 2003, and it's interesting, the time of day the sun had gone down, it's still, I consider it magic hour, the light is very beautiful, and we were actually waiting for Indian Larry, and he had blown up his engine, and he was sure he was going to have it back together, and we waited out at a gas station out on Highway 34, we waited, 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 I finally said to Paul, you know, this is our last chance, if we're going to get some light, we better get going. And so he and I took off. We rode north of, uh, north of uh, Bear Butte. And this was on our way back to town. You'll notice uh, my running lights there on the right side of the frame. And at this point, I, I shoot with a lot of different techniques. And, of course, a lot now when I'm doing a 35-mile 100 cannonball coast-to-coast, coast, I'm sitting backwards behind Dave Prisgaki. But uh, and you know, are other riders that I can trust. This I was on my Road King. And I'm holding the camera with my left hand. Of course, it's all manual, um, manual exposure, focus, shutter speed, aperture, and all that. And what I did was I rigged up a cable release that came uh, over the handlebars and to the throttle where I had it kind of jury-rigged on there so I could throttle and hit the shutter at the same time. Wow. So I'd make all my settings, hold the camera, but I was able to release it with my right hand. That is a problem, you know, that, to do all that with one hand. So at least I had the shutter taken care of. And uh, what I like also, I say the sense of time. Yes, it was a time when Paul Cox had that incredible hair. He had that uh, bike that was known as Berserker, maybe one of his all-time most famous bikes, which I did run into in Italy once. I believe it was shipped and sold over there. And his look with the leather and brass and bronze. Yeah, and the, buddy. That was yeah, I've never, I never liked a leather bike before. And this one, I just said, he did it. He, you know, I, I have rules in my head, but I break the rules all the time. And one rule is not a rule, but I just kind of knew I didn't like leather bikes. But if it's done right, it just yeah. goes to show, hey, it works. And this worked. But to me, this picture makes me think of the precursors to bikers. I mean, what, we're, who were bikers 100 years ago and 500 years ago? And to me, you're looking at Vikings yeah. and uh, you know, marauders and people that uh, – who else? Who am I thinking of? Cowboys and uh, outlaws for certain. And, and you just look at the way he's in that look. So obviously there's a double entendre here where he's looking back, the name of the photo. He's looking back at me, but I consider it looking back in time. Yeah. Uh, even the, the dude, how appropriate. Of the, the fender strut. And it just has Michael. the Middle Ages, medieval times on it. I, I don't know what you guys think, but. You know That's what? How I look at it. Well, first of all, while this picture is blown up, I want to I want to mention that. Did you say this was before you had your your gyro deal set up for your moving photos? 
It was, yeah. It was wow. before I had the gyro. And that's that's impressive because that yeah, thing is kind of that clear. thing is crystal clear. Yeah. Um, but you know what like what would be awesome? It is so appropriate that it's called looking back and that you say that thing about looking back in time now because of, you know, Paul was Paul has raised a family and you know everything has moved on so much from that picture it would be so badass if you had the chance to retake this picture with Paul today yeah mm-hmm. you know what I mean and have that side by side where yeah because he literally is he is looking back in time you exactly know, yeah great. and it brings up the point also that uh, you know some people say you know why do I say all this about a photo you know why am I reading this into it and it's not I don't know. I, mean, I guess I am reading it into it. I certainly did not take this photo and in that hundredth of a second say, oh, I'm, he's looking at me. I'm going to call it looking back. And he's like a, a, a middle, he's a, like a Viking. No, I, I didn't think that when I took it. I mean, I thought of Paul that way, but I didn't think that as I yeah, took no, the photo. That, that photo speaks it to you. Like, oh, you, don't yeah. even, you know, there's the like you don't even have to. If somebody asks you, you know, what do you read into that for? Like, they're not really looking at the picture then, you know? Nope. Well, but to each his own too. Yeah, right, I'm, right. I'm just giving my, and maybe maybe this is wrong. Maybe some people say I shouldn't be talking so much about how I see them because every person sees it themselves. So it's just one person's impression. No, but, well, you're the artist. It's uh, yeah. you know, in all reality, your opinion is almost what counts as much as the picture. <laughs> well, that's that's the no. that's the greatest thing is because just like when you get the privilege to walk through an exhibit with a with a painter. You know what I mean? And you get to hear what their interpretation was, what their inspiration was. Very rarely, like, you know, change the whole picture for you. Somebody just put up a comment that they were just looking at Easy Riders Volume 1, Issue 1, and there were photos by Michael Lichter. How often do people actually get to hear what you had in your mind when you took that picture? That's awesome. That was the, the whole point of why this segment is great. Well, thank you. Uh, do we have time for one or two more? Oh, absolutely. Um, Let's see that. And I know we got to get to the builders also. Yeah, we're still we're still about ten minutes out from the builders. I think we're good. Yeah. Okay. This photo I call Christopher's flag, and uh, I'll tell you, there were five of us there: the four in the picture and myself. And there was not a dry eye when we were done. So the story behind this, um, well, I could say first off what I like about it photographically. To me, I, I like the composition. Uh, the flag in the lower left coming in, the bugler's position, the flag's all about. And this moment in time where this woman is hugging her husband and the look on her face. Um, and I think if nobody knows more than that, they could look at the photo and just understand there's something sorrowful, or sad going on. Uh, they don't have to know the details. But I will tell you some of the details now. So these two guys... Um, and I wish I could remember their names right now, but they're out of New Orleans. They're twin brothers, and they bugle. And I'll bet somebody's going to write in and tell me their names again. I, I have it written down. But, and I've known them for a number of years. I haven't seen them in a number of years. But these guys would go around and blow taps. And at the time, they had 3,000 flags out at the Buffalo Chip. And, the, um, and this was representing 3,000 soldiers that had, had died in the Middle East. And the numbers went up after that, but they did cap it at 3,000. But at this time... Every flag had a ribbon around it and, and somebody's name on it. Mm. And so these guys invited me to come out. They, they blow taps every night, and I was going to go out and meet them. I rode my motorcycle out there. I have my cameras in the tour pack of the Road King. I get there, open it up. I start taking my cameras out, and they come over and say, good to see you, and great, we'll see you in a few minutes. And then they come running back, and they say, you know, something came up. 
and they're going to have to cancel. They said a woman came and asked them to blow taps for her son. And at that point, it was like, whoa, I, <laughs> I'm done. Please have your moment. And uh, I'll catch you guys. We'll talk tomorrow. We'll do it another time. And packed up my cameras and I get on the bike. And as I get on the bike, come running over again. And they say, we're sorry, but we told this woman what you're doing. And she said she would love for you to come over and take pictures. Mm. And in all honesty, I really didn't want to. I felt like this was too private a moment. And they insisted that I should really come over. So I did come over and I took some pictures and, and this is what came of it. Um, I sent each of the, you know, her and her daughters, I sent them prints of this. And I'll tell you, it was, it was a very, very heartfelt and moving experience to be part of. All right, Don. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's get to a couple of the other. I love I love the black and whites. I absolutely okay. love this. Well, then let, let's do two black and whites quick. This okay. is uh, Rudy's, and maybe we could do uh, Rudy after this. Not the same Rudy, but uh, this Rudy's was the truck stop over at exit number 30. That's the uh, westernmost exit of Sturgis. There's the truck stop there, and this is a classic old 24-hour truck stop. I personally love going there at 1 in the morning when it was deader, and you'd still find a group of bikes out front, and you'd have – a late breakfast or early breakfast, depending on how you looked at it. And uh, I just love the feeling because Sturgis, it's always so, or usually it can be so hot and you ride late at night and it just, it's so much about summer. And again, to me, the truck stops were such a, a meeting place and we didn't yeah. have cell phones. And yep. this is a great place to run into people. You did all over the country. You'd run into people in gas stations and truck stops. But anyway, for whatever it's worth, I just like the shot. No, absolutely. And that was, you know, between truck stops on the way in where you would key in with people or, you know, the, the one thing we always said was Friday night behind the wall of death at midnight. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Safety meeting. That, that one's mislabeled. The copyright says on there 2010, but it was 1981, actually. All right on. So, yeah, it was a long time ago. So the other Rudy? This is the other Rudy. So this Rudy is R-U-D-I. And uh, this was taken in 88. And... Uh, Rudy and I actually went back 10 years before this. We met in, there's a Boulder Canyon in Sturgis, of course, but there's one right outside Boulder, Colorado that connects Boulder to Nederland. And I'd be going up the canyon, and this one time in the summer, I see a ton of motorcycles on the other side of the river, which is amazing because there's really no bridges or crossings. There's one area that's a little flatter that people were able to get across with their bikes. And there was a club called the Berserkers, same name as Paul Cox's famous leather bike, this is the Berserkers, and they're out of this area. Rudy was a member, and he hosted the party. It was his deal. I don't know if they had a couple hundred people. or It was a lot of people. And I met him at that party. So I, I went over and said hello and hung out, and that's when I met him. And I kept running into him. And we got to be very friendly just from seeing each other. And this one here, uh, I think of like hot town, summer in the city. Again, like that last shot I said, you know, sometimes it cools off in the evening, and you just love being out on the street. I think of places like New York when people would come out before air conditioning, everybody hung out on the street and that's kind of what it's like. And it's just a slice of life, Rudy out there. At this point, he's a member of the Sons of Silence. And um, sadly, not long after this shot, he got put away for 10 years for something that was uh, totally trumped up and not oh. fair. It was a bar fight that it just was wrong, the whole thing. And being a, a one percenter, I think they, they made a point of him. But uh, he came out, and uh, he's back in the suns, and I still see him. So right it's all cool. It's so nice to have that history with somebody that this goes back to 88. I knew him in 78. 
but uh, it's cool. So we're gonna we're gonna do one more photo, and I have to be honest with you, I'm gonna pick this next photo because when we do these things with you, this you know we say pictures worth a thousand words. I say over and over again how. Uh, um, I'm sorry, I was just reading something. I have I say over and over again how it's that moment in time. This may actually be your most perfect moment in time. And I know you know what picture I'm bringing up just by saying that, but I'm, I'm going to go to this one. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that was a very split hundred thousandth of a second, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, Kid Rock playing the Buffalo Chip in 2013. And uh, this... Yeah, the Buffalo Chip is pretty strict about where people can go. And even though I'm involved with the chip, I do not get very much license. I get very little license, probably. But I did steal my way up into the, um, what do you call the tower where you Like the, hang spot, yourself? the spotlight tower? No, where you, uh, you hang oh, on the pulley. Oh, the, uh, the zip, zip line. Zip line. Yeah. zip line, yes. But it wasn't used. They, they'd moved it. And this was the old tower for the zip line. So there was nobody up there. And... I don't know how I did it, but I somehow managed to get up the ladder and get up there. And I was probably up there for about 90 seconds before security came and grabbed me and huh. made me get, get down. And in that 90 seconds, this storm was coming, lightning came. And it's interesting because people say, oh, you had one of those automatic shutters, lightning sensors. It's like, I didn't even know they existed. I don't know if they had them then. I still don't have one now. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I just got it. You know, the lightning came. I got the shot. Guy came and grabbed me and took me down. And uh, what's kind of neat is that where do you see potentially 70,000 people at night lit up by a flash? Oh, my God, right? You know? That is the, so, the largest softbox ever. Look at that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I hung this in 2015. And uh, Missy Shoemaker, who's with you, is with me. And uh, she was assisting that year. And it was a particularly tough year. My father had died three days oh. before this. Mm. And I had been, I flew back to Colorado and I had this terrible, terrible cold, and they wanted to stay. She and, and somebody else uh, working for me wanted to stay. So I said, you know what? You stay. You take pictures. Do what you want. I'm leaving. I got to get some tissues and get back and lay down. I was miserable. So I get this shot. I'm done. They pull me down. I'm all fed up. And I say, okay, I'm leaving. And uh, this has nothing to do with the shot, but it's a cool little story. So I pull in for my tissues right next to the interstate and i don't know if you ever heard this chris but no. so i go in there missy by the way if you zoom in she's to the right of kid rock just a few people and holding a camera and taking oh, a I picture see her. So, she's wearing a purple shirt here wait a minute let me Missy's see I... in there so that's kind of cool and um oh i should to, to that end i should say i'm going to bounce back between stories here i hung it in the uh 2015 show and the night before there she is taking a picture oh my god she's like Two people over from him on the right. That's right. Wow. Exactly. So uh, just as we're leaving the gallery, I finished the, hanging the show Friday night late. And Saturday morning, the show opens. And I had just flown back to Sturgis that afternoon. I'm so tired. You can't imagine. And we're leaving. And I, that photo is right next to the door. And we have the lights off. We're ready to leave. And I go, hold on. I got an idea. And Missy knows me all too well because uh, there's always a plan B and a plan C, D, E, F, but they're never in my head. They just come. And this is one of those plan Zs probably. We're leaving. We're done. We're tired. And I say, I got a magnifying glass with me. And we found a little chain. We turned the lights wow. back on and we drilled it out and hung a magnifying glass next to this picture, which was blown up. Uh, 
I think it was 30 by 40. It was huge, 30 by 40 inches. And I'll tell you, for that week, whenever I went in there, there was always somebody lifting that magnifying glass up. Looking for their friends. Looking for themselves or their friends. It was really cool. Where's Waldo? (laughs) Yeah, where's Waldo? Now, a little bit just to finish that other story quick. So this is how bad that night was going. Other than this photo, which I'm thrilled that I took, that uh, I get to that uh, convenience store right next to the interstate. And I park. I was in my SUV. So I park. And I go in, I I'm desperately need tissues. I'm looking around. I don't see him. I'm looking around the store. I ask the guy, where's your tissues? And he goes, oh, all out. And I go, oh, bummer. <laughs> so I take one more lap around, nothing there. And I, I, I leave. I get in the car. I go half a block away. And I'm surrounded by 11 police cars and federal agents with flashing lights and guns drawn. Wow. Talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm telling you. And I had my daughter so- on the cell phone at the time. And they're saying, hands on the steering wheel. And I'm like going, Kira, I think I got to hang up. (laughs) (laughs) So you went literally. I've heard this story before. You went literally from being in the exact right place at the exact right time to being in the exact wrong place at the exact wrong time. Well, it depends how you look at it. I got a great story. So maybe I was in the perfect place twice. I don't know. I mean, I'm shitting bricks because, I mean, they got guns pointed. I'm totally surrounded. Flashlights aiming in from every window. And anytime, like, I take my hand off, the hand's back on over a loudspeaker. Oh, my God. Holy crap, what did I do? And then they demand my cell phone. I said, where's your warrant? And they go, we don't need it. Probable, you know, whatever it's. Who did they think you were? With the Limp Nicky lot, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) One of the Limp Nicky guys, right? uh, (laughs) As it turns out, it was a sting operation. And I blew the whole thing up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I think it was something like sex trafficking or something pretty <laughs> weird and they got on me and i swear uh, to god I, wow. only you, I wish dude. i thought I, I have a friend that was with the feds he's actually on a task force and i wish i thought of calling him next day somebody comes up to me on the back on main street taps me on the back and they go hey buddy i heard you had a nice visit with my friends last night and I'm like, oh god rob why didn't i think of talking to you last night <laughs> obviously there was wrong as usual though so. <laughs> oh god so listen, bef- before we before we move on to the next segment, I want to remind you guys that this year Michael celebrates his anniversary, Sturgis celebrates its anniversary, and um, when when you're in the years when Michael actually exhibits his work in the gallery, it's it's amazing. You don't want to miss that because you're going to see many many more images like this. You can also go to lichterphoto.com. There is volumes and volumes of these pictures man and we hope to have him back on here you guys all seem you all seem like you're really digging this segment so maybe we can pressure michael into doing this you know a a few more times and uh, and uh bring out some of his old stuff because he's he's just a class act man we thank you so much michael well thank you i'd love to come back and bring some more builders i want to give the the builders in the show a lot of attention right on and speaking of builders that's where we're at with this so, and we got Russell Mitchell on hold next. Yeah, so let's um let's go let's go through the introductions and then we're going to bring them all on. All right. So I'll I'll start with Russell here. So Russell, I, I've known Russell since the early two thousands, but Russell's career goes back to the early nineties. Actually, he was born in England in a small village, and uh, I, th- I think he was a veterinary surgeon, I believe, and ended up in London. 
And that got the best of him. And eventually, somehow, he got hooked into male modeling. He became a model and somehow got invited to Los Angeles. And sort of the rest is history. He did very well there. And then he started uh, Exile Cycles. I think that was the early 90s, like 91, when he moved from England to Los Angeles. Russell, correct me when he gets on. And then uh, he did very well with Exile Cycles, a real simple style that... Uh, just a major understatement, if, if you want to call it that. And, uh, and everybody loved it. And then he did very well. The Discovery Channel years, he was on repeatedly on a number of biker build-offs and other Discovery shows until he eventually had his own show on television. And then uh, he's gone on. He lives in Santa Monica now with his three children, beautiful children. I see him now and again. He doesn't travel as much, but uh, I'll see him at Born Free and places like that. Uh, the shot that you're showing there was from Florida when he was just having uh, playing with the police a little bit, oh, you can yeah. say. Oh, so yeah. there you go. That's that's Russell Mitchell. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce the next builder. He's having a little bit of technical difficulty, so if we don't get him on tonight, we'll definitely uh, bring him back for next week, but I'm going to introduce him anyway just in case. Um, truly an honor for me to introduce this man to call him my brother and my friend. Um, many of you guys will need no introduction. He's the, the godfather of choppers. Mondo operates, owns Denver's choppers, and history of choppers is, is what that's all about. For 25 years, Denver Mullins um, owned Denver's choppers, and Mondo and Freddie and Junior Hernandez and those guys went to work on building what choppers would be throughout their lifetime and ours. Um, I've been with him when he was inducted to the Sturgis Hall of Fame and Museum. He is a gentleman and a scholar through and through, always giving of himself to everyone around him in every capacity, Mondo Porus. All right. And next, I believe we got Paul Yaffe, don't we? Yep. There's Paul. And uh, Paul and I go back to the very late 90s. And Paul, uh, he had a bike at that time that it came out and it won the Oakland Roadster show. And that bike was known as Prodigy. And he won the Oakland Roadster show in 2000. He actually started building bikes or he had his first shop in 1991 in Phoenix. He was born in LA and moved to Phoenix. And uh, his youth uh, could fill volumes of books with his own stories of being a kid and maybe a bit of a troubled kid or troublemaker, I should say. But then he ended up in, uh, in Phoenix. He started the American Legend Motorcycle Company and uh, one prodigy in 2000. And shortly after that, that same year, I photographed that bike for Easy Riders in the studio. And uh, it won best of show. It also went to Verona. It went to Germany. And it seemed to win everywhere it went at, at the time. I mean, that, show, that bike was really ahead of its time. And, uh, and a nice twist to this is that bike has been refurbished. He's redone it. And it will be out at the Buffalo Chip this year. But, oh, right uh, on. Yeah, it's cool. And, and then, and then uh, Paul went on to start Bagger Nation in 2006. That was just as baggers were becoming the rage. And he hit it at just the right time. Had the first uh, Harley uh, Street Glide to be customized in 2006. And uh, every year he comes out with a new bike that he rides to Sturgis and is full of surprises. A lot of the dressers, but he still does a chopper and some very cool bikes here and there. Uh, mixed in with the dressers and everything else. So pleasure to have him on. We've had some wonderful times together all over the country and even overseas. Right on. Um, next, it's my privilege to introduce Kiwi Mike Thomas. In his native tongue, I would say that Kiwi is one of my best mates. Um, he is from New Zealand. 
came to the United States from uh, very humble beginnings, set upon the work of not only being a citizen of the United States, but being the man who would eventually completely reinvent the Indian motorcycle, the vintage Indian motorcycle. He has touched every single part on those motorcycles, remanufactured and made them better, re-engineered them. He has his own engines. He has his own complete motorcycle, a ridiculously thick catalog of parts for these vintage Indian motorcycles. And by the time he was done, a, a lifetime of dedication to that to that one brand of motorcycle. Him and his wife are, are two of our our very best friends in the world. Always a pleasure when we get to spend time with him. And he's going to be coming to us all the way from Australia tonight, where he's been exiled, to coin a term, since the uh, pandemic started. We, we think he's faking it, I though. I think he's, he's just <laughs> staying there. He's abandoned us. So, he's having a great time, it sounds to me, I'll tell you. Right. It's great to have him here today, that's for sure. So uh, moving on, we have Rick Fairless, who will be our fifth builder, or fourth, depending how we do with Mondo. Uh, Rick, I've known since the mid-90s, actually photographed the first bike of his in 1993, amazingly enough. And this was before he ever had a bike shop. Rick worked, I think, for almost 20 years for Glidden Paint out I'm of no Texas. Kidding. I didn't know that. That's right. He worked for Glidden Paints. And I remember him coming in. I've shot him several times before he opened a shop and he had these beautiful bikes. That first bike was a panhead that I shot his in 93, shot another bike in 95 in Daytona beach. I had a studio down there. And then we started these riders bike shows and he, well, that's was at these riders bike shows usually. And then he started uh, strokers Dallas in 1996 and he was a big dog dealer as well as an easy riders licensed shop, which lasted a certain amount of years and then went South in a bad way. But he, uh, he actually, everything worked out so well for Rick that Strokers, it became Rick Fairless's Strokers, and, and really it became identified with his name and who he is and his personality. He opened a bar two years later in 98, and it's been a huge success. I mean, I understand there are a thousand people there for Saturday night bike nights. Yeah, buddy, and, we've uh, been there. Oh, yeah, yeah one of my favorite I got to make it for bike night. Yeah, great place. So, uh, anyway, so he's, he's doing great. He's uh, with his wife, Susan, who is his first wife and last wife. I don't need to tell you more of that story. And his daughter, his daughter, Lena, his youngest daughter, who's 33, she works with him, and she's an absolute delight whenever we see them on the road. So he'll be with us tonight also. Right on. Well, without any further ado, let's, uh, let's welcome our builders to the show. Gentlemen, how you doing tonight? Good. Fine. Right on. I see three. That's, that's who we have so far. If we, We're, we're going to keep the lines open, and hopefully we get the other two guys on. Or like I said, Michael, we'll bring them on again next week. All right. So I, I think this would be a good time to just explain a little bit that we had some difficulties with the exhibition that um, because of the pandemic, people were having trouble getting parts and the chrome shops being closed and suppliers and things like that. And people were really being pressed uh, to get things done. It was costing more money. Some people had to drop out. We had five foreign builders. Uh, from Japan, Germany, and Italy. They all had to drop out. They couldn't get here. So I've actually repurposed the show in a sense. So I don't know if you have the logo to show, but the title this year is Heavy, Heavy Metal, Motorcycles and Art with Moxie. And the whole idea is that these are people that have been building bikes for at least 20 years, and kind of my background too with the photography, more than 20 years. And not only that they've been doing it, but they've had shops and they've stuck with it. And they've kept those shops open despite good times and, and many bad times and the crash of 2008, troubles in the industry, and of course, what's going on now. So um, we opened it up now and so that the bikes can be older bikes. At first, it was going to be 
38 all new bikes, and now they're mostly going to be older bikes, and it's going to be a two-year show. This year's edition will be called uh, Unlocked, the Unlocked Edition of heavy, heavy Metal. And next year will be more Heavy Metal or Heavy Metal 2, which will all be all new bikes next year. So for this, we have the older bikes, and so I want to focus now on what these guys have done. What is it about them and their personalities and who they are that they have the gumption to stay in business all these years. So maybe all three of you can talk to, to that, what it takes to do what you love to do and to stick with it. Who wants to start? Everybody's too tired to come up with any words. <laughs> How about Russell? Russell, you always got words. You want to start? He's obviously the oldest. He should go first. <laughs> you know, it, the, the whole thing about being in business is – it's being a survivor, you know, and, and, you know, through the last, uh, uh, few months with the COVID thing, you know, I can say in my business, it's the toughest times we've ever faced, you know, you know, my, my bar is a big part of my business because it brings so many motorcycles together. And uh, like Mike said, we'll get a thousand bikes on Saturday and a thousand on Sunday. And as of Friday, the governor has closed our bars the governor mm. of Texas has closed all bars in the state. So, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a huge, uh, revenue loss to me because not only does the, do I lose the money that I would have at the bar, that bar drives so much traffic into the motorcycle shop, you know, that where people buying t-shirts or sunglasses or, or a, a used Harley or whatever. You know, so it's a it's it's tough. It's tough right now. But, you know, I didn't come this far to give up over this thing. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you say that you're survivors. We call some of your older bikes survivor bikes. And really, you guys are survivors if you can stay in like this. Kiwi, how about you in Australia? What's going on over there? Tell us how you're still in this all these years. He's Did we gone. lose Kiwi? Uh, well, He's gone. He's, he's <laughs> Somebody in, stole Kiwi. He's in and out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, I guess, Russell, it's up to you. All right. Well, um, I think probably like the rest of the guys here, the reason I ended up doing this is because I really enjoy this. It's what I wanted to do with my life. And when that's your key ingredient, then you find a way to roll with the punches and, you know, you grow when the times are great and you shrink when the times aren't so good. Um, but you find a way to keep doing what you do because the alternatives are so grim. You'd have to go and get a real job and nobody wants that. <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's the way I found it. I mean, for me, um, you know, the, the economic crash that we had whenever that was, 06, 07, right after the crazy, crazy train discovery years, was a big wake-up call. Like a lot of other people, you know, I was all about growing the business and buying the real estate and, you know, just spend, spend, spend. We all thought it was never going to end, too big to fail, that kind of thing. Um, and I really sort of rethought everything at that time and, and realized that the stress of just going after the dollar wasn't worth it. And it was really a better idea to focus on what I really wanted to do was actually get my hands on the bikes and I'll sit in front of a computer all day. So um, in a way that, that worked out for me because I was able to just slowly 
downscale it, if you like, to the point now where I am the guy building the bikes. I've gone full circle and I'm back where I really wanted to be, uh, you know, at the same point as I entered. Welding, grinding, wrenching, building the bikes the way I want the bikes to be built. You know, Russell, that's an it, it's, it's a all-too-familiar story. I mean, I hate to say this, too. When I first started the magazine, which was almost a quarter of a century now, we were we had a little aftermarket motorcycle shop, and I got out of the shop because it bummed me out on my busiest days. I was the guy behind the counter watching everybody else ride. So the magazine was like, hey, man, I can be out there and take pictures, and, you know, I'm on the bike. And, and then in short order, we went about screwing that up. <laughs> you know the, the right i mean it's the it's the it's the hell of doing what you love because you love it so much you'd do anything to do it but in the end you do less of it yeah it's hard it's you know it, it, it's hard to stay focused on your original game plan when the business of running the business gets in the way you know um so you know, this this whole virus thing the same. You know, everything kind of slowed down and it enabled you to take a step back and say, okay, I really should be focusing my time over here or I want to yeah. focus over there. Um, and, you know, brings it all back into light. So, you know, it, it's we're adaptable, adaptable people. You know, everybody on the screen right now, uh, like I say, you just kind of roll with the punches and you make it happen no matter what it takes. Yep. It, is Kiwi with us? Yeah, or? we got we got Kiwi here. There you go, uh, Mike. There we are. Kiwi, can you a answer that about how uh, you've been able to stay in this and keep up the energy all these years and the focus and not be distracted or not get out of it when the times got tough? Well, focus for us, for a lot of us, is a problem just from what who we are. But um, I, I found, you know, you got to have a lot of passion. Uh, people ask, is it passion or skill in a business? And it's, it's passion, I feel. Passion gets you through a lot of rough times. I mean, there are some rough times. There's ups, there's downs. There's, uh, um, so I, I found passion. And, the, and you look further down the road. You just keep your eye on the ball. Or you can just dream about bigger and better things. Absolutely. That's what got the, the challenges. Uh, it, it's not all peaches and cream being in business. But uh, I don't know. You just you just got a tendency, you know. Sometimes you just go to some of the shows, the swap meets, the, the motorcycle rallies. Go and visit some people, and all of a sudden you find some newfound energy. Mike, I don't know if you heard in my introduction for you, but I actually called you one of my best mates. I want to yes. uh, I want to remind you that there's two L's in Callan. C A L L E N. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my best mate, huh? <laughs> hey, just, just no. It's late for you, Paulus, but it's only midday for me down here. There you go. So it's already yeah. Monday there. Yep. If you want to know what's happening tomorrow, just let me know. Just reach out to me. <laughs> well, it also helps. Mike's made it this far, or uh, you know, Kiwi's made it this far because you know he is a god. So that helps. There's Lemmy, then Kiwi, then the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all three guys, you all mentioned about uh, what it's taking to stay in and staying focused or, you know, being able to be adaptable, as Russell said. But one thing, I have a question for all three of you again, and that is, when you started all this, did you have a game plan? I mean, because I know I've had um, 
interns come work with me and they, they, they want to present a business plan. I said, you have two options. Go put it in your car or throw it in the trash because I have no interest in it. It's not how <laughs> I run. Now, that's for me. I've never had a game plan. But, so I kind of roll with the punches. How do you guys do it and how is that affected? I think this is sort of a message to younger people. Of course, during the discovery years, everybody wanted to be in. As Russell said, when you know, they were throwing money at everybody and everybody thought it was great. But is, know, is there a real plan? All about? You know, what is that game plan? Or Is there a plan? Is there, was there a plan at all, or really did you just put one foot in front of the other? Well, uh, I'll jump in there. I have to say, everybody asked in the early days, you know, what's your business plan? Where's your business plan? As you say, and I, I'm like, I haven't got time to write a business plan. You know, I'm busy. And it was a sort of one foot in front of the other deal. It's like you kind of figure out in the moment what is the smartest thing to do next. And you rinse and repeat. You just do that over and over again until suddenly 25 years ago, my, and I'm talking to you out on the TV here. For me, certainly, there, there was no business plan. It was kind of a make it up as you go along. You know, there were, there were things that I could see off in the distance that I really hoped would happen, and I sort of felt I was vaguely making my way there. But... Um, no real business plan. Which is probably why I'm Russell Mitchell and Paul Yaffe is Paul Yaffe today. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Rick, what do you think? You know, and I, I don't know that I had a plan. I had a hope. You know, my thought process was, uh, you know, I would like to see a place in Dallas, Texas, where uh, a guy that was into custom Harleys could go in and could could find parts from uh, Arlen Ness and from Pat Kennedy and those guys like that, you know. And there was, you know, other than the catalogs, you couldn't you could never see those those parts. And I thought, you know, if there was a a shop where you maybe could sell bikes and maybe you had a cool apparel line and you had a parts and service and you carried all the cool custom parts. You know that would be a that would be a pretty good deal, and I used to sit there, you know, with my kids running around and thinking, why can't somebody do that in Dallas? Why can't somebody open up a shop in Dallas? And then one day it was like, why can't that guy be me? Why can't I be that guy? I can't, there's no way I can be that guy. I got I got a wife and three kids and a 401k, and I've been working at the same job for 20 years. There's no way. Can I do that? Is there could would I would I dare risk that? And I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just kind of start the ball rolling, knowing that there's no way it would ever come to fruition. But at least I can say, you know, I looked at opening my own shop, and and uh, you know, I started that that ball rolling. And while it was rolling, I decided that if I was going to do it, I wanted a bar and grill to help drive traffic. And, uh, you know, it's just roadblock after roadblock came up, but I either went through it or around it or over it or under it, you know, uh, through 25 years, it's, it's worked out. But I think with me, like with Russell and Mike and, you know, Paul and Mondo, it's, it's passion. You know, if you're passionate about it, you're not, it's not really like working. I don't wake up in the morning and think, oh my God, I got to go. I wake up in the morning and I'm just, just dying to get to work because I love what I do. You know, I mean, it's, it's passion. That's what this industry is. And that's why it's, it's 
so strong. It's it's uh, it's put together with people for, with the same passion. Absolutely, absolutely. Keep- Mike, you still there? Yep, I'm here. I didn't know. I didn't <laughs> well, know. I saw, uh, in my garage, and I just it was just part time, and I had this dream. I wanted to be a to bring high quality, consistently high quality parts to the Indian business. Back then, at uh, 1988, uh, there wasn't any. It was just higgledy piggledy, and um, so I just tried to make this guy full time to support me. And what really the hell did you just say? Would be so Wait a minute. Quit, quit what the job. What the hell and, did you just say? Hickledy dickledy. Hickledy piggledy. <laughs> so listen, I've been talking to Mike pretty regularly since he's on what we're calling walkabout. He keeps coming up with these new phrases. The longer he's down there, it's like he's speaking an entirely different he's a, language. Yeah, he's going to bring a new uh, new uh, language home with him. <laughs> Picking him up it's on the he, walkabout. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I did that, and then business took off, and uh, then I grew from my garage. All of a sudden, I had to build a shop. Like I had one acre, and uh, I built a shop on that. But it just kept accelerating. And, you know, it, it's America. There's 330 million people in America. And some have, a lot of people have good taste. Some people have bad taste. Uh, but, you know, 330 million people, and if you can't sell something of your product to them, something's wrong. So yeah. I just went out there and just did things consistently good. I dream, I dream big. It's like, Man, I mean, okay, I've made all these parts. Why don't I make front end? So I made the lease spring front end. A lot of the the custom builders put it on their bikes. You know, that went on TV and uh, in magazines. And then I thought, man, you know what? Why don't I make crankcases and other parts for these engines? And then I can make complete uh, a brand new flat motors. And then it went on to keep an on dream. It's like, well, I made frames and a few other bits and pieces. I can make whole brand new old motorcycles uh, uh just just america is a big place and you can dream and somebody has got to like your product one of the hardest questions i've ever had and i clearly recall it um i had uh, uh, several meetings with the past to be a polaris and one of them asked what is your business model and i'm going i i, I was dumbfounded i was stumped and i go well that's typical Corporates, non-entrepreneur uh, type guys, uh, is you know they they use this box that they're taught of a box, and they operate within that box. In this industry, I don't think anybody can operate in that box. Uh, so that the industry changes, times change. Even for my business, you know, from art supply. I, I had to change. I just saw the future. I, I looked at the demographics of Harley riders way back when. The average age of a Harley, or mean average rider's age of a Harley, and I think it was 56 at that time. And I got holy shit. You know, that's my clientele plus 10 years. I've got to do something to change and not just be reliant on the vintage guys. So that's why I diversified, and I'm still true to the Indian brand. Everything I do still revolves around that. I can't understand that, but <laughs> I still love you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another question here, if it's all right. Yeah, man, go ahead. Right. Yeah, I'm just wondering. I think we've all seen when we go to events, I, and I, I think the motorcycle world now is more exciting than I've 
ever known it to be. I mean, seriously, I was out there as a kid doing it, basically, and photographing these 40 years. Um, I think these are the most exciting times right now. The past year or two, just what's being done is so great. One thing I see, I mean, there's some people that their talents and skills, as I mentioned earlier, I, I'm always amazed me. But uh, I also see on the other side that there's people out there that just, it feels like they want to be famous. They see maybe where some of you guys are at. And, and that's what they want rather than the process. I mean, do you have any thoughts about that or messages doing, for those doing people? Doing it for all the wrong reasons. We're, we're going to take, take this to our, our new guest. <laughs> ah, there we go. How Hello, you doing? Mondo. How you guys doing? All right. Did you hear the question, Mondo? What's that? I guess you didn't hear. Did you hear the question? It was about the new guys. Yeah, I just saying that it seems like a lot of people, they're more concerned about trying to achieve fame than they do about just quality and satisfaction for themselves. But uh, that's maybe the way I, I'm seeing it. And I, I don't mean that blanketly. I, most of the guys are so, their hearts are so into it. But I do also see an element of people that really would love to be famous. And I uh, just wonder if you could speak to that at all. Yeah, the, um, you know, I, I think... Uh, the mistake a lot of people make is, is is trying to reach that fame, but they are, are trying to do, take shortcuts. You've got to let your your work speak for itself. Amen. You've got to be true to yourself. Have your own designs. Don't copy other people, and uh, just let your work speak for itself. And the fame will get there just by uh, the work that you've done over the years and the amount of time and effort that you that you put in to your builds. Is going to reflect uh, who you are in the industry. Amen. Well, and you know the the theme here tonight, Mondo, is the fact that for you guys that have survived, you know, decade after decade, generation after generation, what is it? What is it that drives you? That keeps you coming back to the plate? Because motorcycles have had its ups and downs, and the people that just got here, you know, a, a, a dozen or so years ago they're they're not going to know how much those ups and downs have been and how much sacrifice and commitment and like what do you reach for at the end of the day to keep going when there's nothing left you know for me personally it it, uh it it was something that you know we're denver shoppers is 53 years in business and uh we started started in the business because uh the love of the motorcycle and and denver and and uh all of us uh, started Denver Shoppers, and it wasn't for fame or fortune or anything else. It just uh, happened to be that it was a passion that we had and something that we loved, and it, it morphed into a, a business that then uh, went on to, uh, uh, you know, being uh, something that was seen uh, around the world. You know, we were we were we were getting to be well known, and uh, it just got us to where we are today with the. Uh, advent of the uh, well first of all it was the magazines and then uh, discovery channel and so on and so forth and biker build off and uh now we're at uh, where we're at today and and it's just uh uh the love of the love of the of the uh of the build the love of the uh the uh people that are involved in motorcycles and, and motorcycle building i guess that's uh just, just something that we have a passion for this whole thing, and it's just uh, something that's part of our lives, and, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. Yes, sir. 
This thing we do, right, Michael? This thing we do, as That's Mondo it. says. Yeah. <laughs> Russell, uh, Russell, you have any thoughts on that? No, I mean, I've got to say, you know, Mondo was right on the money. You've got to let your work speak for yourself. Um, you know, if you haven't got the talent or you haven't got the drive or you haven't got the passion to put in the time and energy, you're not going to get anywhere no matter how bad you think you want it. Um, so any recognition of any durability that is earned is, um, it's earned, you know what I mean? It's earned by the sweat off your brow and your, your, your dedication and, you know, talent, if that's the, the right word. So that point, I think, rings, rings particularly true. You know, as far as, you know, the fame and fortune side of things go, you know, anybody who's jumping on the boat looking for that today, I think, you, you know, they might, uh, you know, might be a little bit of a stretch. I think those crazy, crazy times of the early 2000s were just an absolute um, perfect storm. That, you know, times like that are, are very unlikely to come again in our lifetime. Quite so crazy, you know, government's getting down on everything. It's so much harder to build the bikes we used to build back then. Um, you know, I'm just super happy that I was there to live and enjoy those those years. I mean, they the best. You know, it's interesting. All three, all three of you, or four of you rather, were part of the Discovery Channel years, and uh, so you had that fame. I mean, it was something. I remember going out, and there were s signings where you guys were were not just brought in, but you were paid money to come in and just meet and greet people, shake their hands, sign autographs and, and whatnot. And, and that's kind of vision that's passed. And for Russell, you had a little different thing because you sort of had that fame and fortune early on with your modeling career. I mean, you were, if I'm not mistaken already in Marlboro, Marlboro um, ads before you ever started doing the bikes. So, I mean, all of a sudden you had this notoriety for that. Then you come into the bike world where you just have to work hard than the, the discovery years. But now it's really kind of gone back to just believing in what you do, working hard and being passionate about it. Anyone want to speak to that about this kind of reverse of that fame being passed? As Russell said, it's doubtful those years will come back. Rick, how about you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, those years are gone, you know? I mean, those years were awesome. We were selling. I remember my dad was asking me, you know, one time he said, okay, son, it's, it's when, uh, uh, Polaris was just kicking up. And I asked my dad what he thought about victory motorcycles. And he said, well, if it's a Polaris product, it's probably pretty good. He said, do you need them? And I said, well, back then I'm, he said, what are you selling? I said, I'm selling big dog, American iron horse, and uh, used Harleys. And I said, I'm selling about 100 big dogs a year, about 100 American Iron Horse, and about 100, you know, used Harleys a year. And, you know, fast forward 20 years, and we're selling less than half that. You know, I mean, the, 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 the concerning thing that I see in the industry is just what you're looking at on this screen. You're looking at four baby boomers, and that's what has driven Harley for all these years is the baby boomers. Well, the baby boomers are aging out. We're getting older. We got bad knees, bad hips, you know, bad backs. And I see it every day. 
some of my regular customers, they, they're, they're, they're not riding anymore because, you know, they're in their sixties and in their seventies. And it's just not the, you know, it's, they're not capable of riding like they used to. And the young people aren't riding, you know, they think about it us four. And I don't care, even if you're Mike and you grew up in New Zealand, you're outside all the time. You were, you, the only time you're in the house is if you were eating or sleeping or grounded. Everybody was outside and everybody was riding a bicycle. We all had bicycles. My question is, how many bicycles do you see in your neighborhood? How many kids on bicycles do you see? You know, you don't. They're, they're in the house and they're on, they're on uh, cellular devices. And the world's changed, boys. You know, if I can, if I can speak on that for one second, though, there's there's a strange thing, and I do. I spend a lot of time reading research on generational trend and where things are going. The one very, very encouraging thing to speak about this, and and I have the benefit of having a daughter that's you know right at the tail end of the millennials, and for my daughter's generation and down, for her age group and down, they're actually starting to be a lot of scientific fact and proof backing up the fact that for the post-millennials, as the generation they're calling it, they're suffering from this thing called technological burnout. Since it's been three generations heavy that have been just bombarded with this technology, with media in your face all the time and connectivity, and they're starting to see that a lot of these young kids, the post-millennial generation, are moving away from technology. When they get time, they want tactile experiences that they're going camping again they're going biking they're riding skateboards they're they're doing a lot of this stuff i mean it's it's going to be a drag because we're going to wait until that generation comes into their own for motorcycling it's going to be a a much longer term proposition for us to see them as customers but i mean there is definitely a silver lining to that i mean we have to keep in mind here also that uh whenever you guys started you know mondo uh rick when i mean all the way to the polyaffy the technology to build these bikes and machinery wasn't there. This was all hand fabricated. Yeah, you guys this is all layout and design, and you know it was in your mind. And that's something that that nobody, you know, these days the new builders and like you're talking about, you know, coming in for that quick fame, they'll never understand the struggles of the Dave Pierwitz paint jobs and the Rick Fearless and you know the stuff that you guys put on the, the radi- table, the radius rod front end, right. right? Yeah, I mean, look look back at what you guys did with. With your hands, you didn't do this with a machine punching in there and go. I mean, you literally, you literally did this from your mind and block it, of it, clay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. keep in mind, you guys accomplished something that nobody will ever be able to do again. And I think in some ways, it's almost a, it's almost a little intimidating. You yeah. know, this generation, this next generation has a lot to live up to. You know. I, I you know I, I don't want to leave on such a bleak picture as Rick may be painting because I think there are, are great things happening out there and I do see kids on the Strider bikes out in my neighborhood. You know, I, I see them out here, and my son, part of that millennial generation, you know, he was camping all weekend with his girlfriend, but right. uh, and he's got a Harley parked in the garage that'll take out when he's not doing that. I mean, they have so many things that are available to him and he does not want to be stuck on a device. And he's very conscious of that. My daughter dropped Facebook this weekend and said, I'm done with that. So, you know, she's, uh, people are unplugging. I almost wonder after COVID too, what's going to happen, you know, after we've been forced to be in the house. (laughs) Yeah. And there's so many great young builders out there. Really the, it's it's amazing, and I, I know Chris sees that because of the magazine, and he's out there interviewing people and out a lot of events, and uh, I think there's a lot of exciting stuff happening. 
So we should be encouraged. Technology. Do any, of, uh, <laughs> do any of you have interns by any chance or are open to the idea of having somebody work with you that you'd want to pass the torch on to? Yep. Mike? Yep. Yeah, I'm doing, actually doing it down here in Australia, um, setting up a shop here. And his son's 23 years old because of COVID-19, lost his job at the uh, Harley shop. And I, and I said, Mason, it's just, it's a blessing in disguise. I said, you know, you've got your dad, he's a good guy. Um, there's me with a lot of knowledge as well. So we're going to hone you and, and take you to a whole new level. It's interesting talking about a technology because I, I'm the anti-technology. I like my old bikes. I escaped from the rest of the world. Technology doesn't work good for me. I'm surprised they even hooked up on this, what do you call it, Zoom shit. But, you know, I, I like my old bikes just for the simplicity. I don't even change them to electronic ignition. I do offer an electronic ignition, but I just like points. I just <laughs> like simplicity. Yeah, if, and, and the simplicity. But if something should go wrong, I can actually diagnose it. I just like, when I get on my old bikes, yesterday we went for several hour, three, four hour ride out in the outback. We are in the outback. And just wandering through the back roads. Some of them are just dirt roads. And then we come to this, come to these little towns. And there's kids on bicycles. There's kids on scooters. And they just stop and they look at you. And it's like, wow, I just, I remember that time as a kid. Yeah. I remember what, I, I know what doesn't usually happen in America. And it's like, Carol and I will make sure. Not only do we wave to the kids, we actually make eye contact. And if we've got a chance, we'll actually stop and chat with them. You know, I didn't have any stickers with me, but, you know, kids love stickers. It's, it's, it's a different time down here. It's almost like maybe stepping back 30 years, not technology-wise, but just a different place where America was. Well, and you know what, you know what my idea was, because we talk about generational trend a lot on this show and, you know, how to get connected to that next generation and what's going to happen with the business. But one night it occurred to me, the one thing that nobody talks about doing is the next time that you're coming in, coming home into your neighborhood and you see some of the neighborhood kids, go at them at like 300 miles an hour, slide the bike sideways, spit, snarl, look straight at them and say, don't you ever ride one of these motorcycles. It's dangerous. Pull off and don't say another word. I guarantee they're going to want to ride bikes because that's what made me want to ride. Yeah. I couldn't do that. Cool. Chris, I wonder if uh, we need to bring the train home. Yeah, it probably is, man. I'll, I'll let you wrap this up, Michael. Listen, gentlemen, I just want to say this one thing. Thank you so, so much for honoring us. By I mean, I took a picture of this screen here. It humbles me to have such Im important, great personalities on this show and, and sharing your opinions with us. So th thank you so much. Chris, uh, maybe I'll, uh, I want to thank everybody also for being part of this and maybe just... Uh, as a little teaser, could I read real quick a list of who's in the show? Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, let's see here. I'll go for it. So in this year, we have Aaron Green, Arlen Fatlin, Bill Dodge, Billy Lane, Brian Clock, Carl Olson, Chika Chikazawa, Cole Foster, Corey Ness, Craig Rodsmith, Dan Bacon Carr, Dave Perowitz, Don Hotop, Donnie Smith, Eddie Trotta, Fred Cuba, Jeff mm. Cochran, Gary Covington, Jim Nassi, Josh Soto, Kiwi Mike Thomas, Mondo Porras, uh, Nicola Martini from Italy, Pat Patterson, 
Paul Weidman, Paul Yaffe, Richard Pollock, Rick Fairless, Ron Finch, Russell Mitchell, Steg von Heinz, Steve Carpy Carpenter, and Tabor Nash. So listen, before we let you guys go, I want to mention to everybody that um, these guys each can be directly contacted through their websites, xlcycles.com if you want to reach out to Russell Mitchell, all his great parts and bikes. Denver's Choppers is denverschoppers.com. Um, get one of those front ends, man. What they're yeah, right what they're on. famous for. They're get beautiful. Ho- get hooked up. Kiwi Mike, Kiwi Indian, 30 years of experience. And like I said, from top to bottom, this man has re-engineered the vintage Indian motorcycle. Incredible parts come out of his place. Go check check him out at KiwiIndian.com. Um again, thank each and every one of you for, for taking the time here tonight. And I'm gonna let you guys I'm gonna let you guys close this out before we get off with you. Last words of wisdom coming into Sturgis. How's everybody feel about Sturgis? Let's say that for a minute. Well, you know I, I, I can get there from here, unfortunately, so I'm going to miss part of it. But what's interesting about all these builders and they're all super accomplished guys is that, and way, way beyond me for that matter, but they've all honed their, their groove and their trade, stayed pretty well true to their groove. So I had to change with the times a little bit, but they've all got their same their 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 style, and it's really interesting. All top notch guys too. Absolutely, Mondo. Well, I'm excited about Sturgis, uh, a new bill that we've been working on. So uh, that's always fun. You know, more than anything, I love to see the people. You know, the bikes are just a common denominator. And uh, I love seeing Russell and Rick and all you guys. It's just uh, it's like a family reunion. And uh, that to me, that's the biggest part. The most enjoyment I get is uh, is uh, seeing all the people. I, I've seen bikes all my life and there's, there's not a whole lot of things you can do differently on the bikes. But uh, the people to see how they're doing. And, and uh, what we do is, is, is like a big family. You know, we uh, we used to all travel together doing the shows and and. Uh, I miss that uh, uh, camaraderie that we had and the fun that we had. So this is going to be kind of like a, a, a family reunion to get everybody back together. And, uh, Mike, I want to thank you for doing that for us and making that happen. And, Chris, always, you know, you're, you're, you're the man. So uh, oh. I want to thank you guys. And then the other builders, I have nothing but respect for all you guys and really, really looking forward to seeing all you guys and having some fun. Russell, what do you think about Sturgis this year? Unfortunately, I'm not going to make it this year, Chris. I was all set to go, but um, as you may or may not know, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old that haven't seen school in like three months and not entirely sure they're going to see school again in August. Um, And their mom and I both work full-time, so I'm just not going to be able to take the time away. I'm really bummed. I had it all laid out, going to ride out with a bunch of buddies and what have you, but... um, I've had to face the fact that it ain't going to happen for me this time. So I wish you all the best, and I hope you have a great time. Um, I'll be thinking of you. Right on. <laughs> Rick, what are your plans? Uh, I'm looking forward to surges this year. My my daughter, Lena, is going with me again. And, uh, you know, I think, like Mondo said, it's a big family reunion. You get to see a lot of people that you only see once or twice a year. And uh, I'm I think with uh, with the things that have happened in the world, there will be 
less commitments at Sturges this year, which I think will offer more time to uh, to ride and more time to uh, you know to get to to socialize with your brothers in the industry. All right, on. All right, Michael, you want to give him one last word before we're out of here? Nothing much to say. Just I really appreciate everybody's participation and also, you know, going with the flow. Life changes around us and we have to be willing to change with it. And I think everybody's doing a great job of it. So thank you very much. And thanks, everybody, for being here and listening today. All right, guys. Thanks again. Uh, Michael, don't go anywhere. We're going to talk here for a second. But thank you guys one more time. Um, so here's the deal, man. If you wonder what all we're talking about here, each year in Sturgis during the rally at the Buffalo Chip Campground, the motorcycles as art is, is the crowning achievement of year to year, a, a barometer of where we're at in the custom motorcycle industry. And um, Michael is, is incredible for the way he brings together the community and the artists and, and everything around this. This year with the challenges, you know, the ups and downs about Sturgis, what's it going to be like, what's, it, you know, what's going to go on. This is, is probably these two-year shows combined this year and next year are probably the most significant because we're literally talking about the survival of this event, the survival of this industry, the survival of the builders, the names, passing the torch. Like, I think, again, Michael has hit the nail completely and squarely on the head with you know the fact that he he sets down this flag once a year to say where we're at and where we're going thanks chris uh this will be the 20th anniversary of me uh, producing and curating these shows so it was to be a big year and it still will be a big year and it's going to be a two-year deal so as i said it's uh two parts i'm excited about that i think we pulled it together in a, a great way again doing what we have to do dealing with the changes so i thank everybody that's helping and participating Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me here tonight. No, and Michael, we're going to take like a, a week break and come back with you and a, another group of guys, right? Is that what we're Can we do that, more pictures too? Is that what we have planned? Yeah. If you, why don't we look at the uh, comments and we'll see how people think, oh, pe what people are thinking. Listen, but, uh, you guys you guys want to see Michael come back here with some more pictures and more builders. Throw them comments up so see, that he sees it. We love you, Michael. Great yep. show. Great show. Great show. We love you, Michael. Nope. We love you, Michael. You <laughs> have a very big fan club tonight, Michael. All right. Well, thank you. I'd love to come back. And there's always more pictures to show and talk about. And there's a, a big list of builders. And I'd love to give each person on there a lot of attention. So thank you. Right on, Michael. Thank you so much for being with us here tonight. Thanks, Chris. Heather, Mark. Thank you. See you, Michael. Thanks, Michael. All right, guys. So, hey, this is Shop Talk. Every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we go live with 90 to 120 minutes, all the bullshit we can fit. We're going to take two seconds because i forgot the entire show to actually do some business for the show don't go anywhere we'll be right back we have a couple things that we want to wrap up with and then we're going to let you guys go until next week stick around two minutes we have some more shop talk my dad was a big influence he's always been a two-wheeled maniac when i was getting into riding we weren't allowed to have training wheels he would put us out on a hill on the grass in the yard say start here so if you tip over it doesn't hurt so bad so he was racing flat track. There's other kids out there riding mini bikes, going in circles. So we're like, well, of course we want to try that. Dad's racing, why can't we race? You know, I had a family, but I can't walk away from it, so that's an easy fix. Five bikes for the boys and bring, bring everyone to the race. <laughs> Make sure they can do it too. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd spend the whole day at the races trying to keep all those bikes running and keep track of these guys and get up to the line and shift your two-stroke in the corner. 
He's still mad about it. <laughs> Other than just going to the track and racing, being out here and turning wrenches, that's my happy place. My favorite thing I've bought from Dennis Kirk is all the last minute parts. Because there's a lot of times we're going riding the next day and I broke something the night before. Call Dennis Kirk or check online and they have it. And I can go grab it in the morning, put it on, load up and go. Dan and I have cut so many laps out here. You, I, you can't wipe a smile off my face and my helmet when we're doing it because it's like, I know exactly how this is going to go and it's going to be the best time. <laughs> it, that track over there, which looks super nice now, started out as one tire track just being ridden over and over and over and over again. When it was just that little goat path and there was, we're riding through weeds and like around, and it was just like, to watch the progression, it's kind of crazy. Yes, I plan on motorcycles being in her life. I'm, it's too late already. Right, yeah, she's she's got three of her own in the house already. Um, Dan bought her a Strider before she even made it home from the hospital. Yeah, oh, that's what happens. So she's got that. It's already all, it's already tricked out with Feely Racing stickers on it. I'm Cole. This is my squad, and we're a Dennis Kirk family. After an incredible day in New Orleans, we're heading north to Meridian, Mississippi. I'm starting to think that there's nowhere in America that has nice roads. <laughs> oh, hey, fellas, y'all made it, huh? <laughs> you made it. You made it. Stacy's a great storyteller, but he is a little long-winded. I really, you know, daydreamed a lot. I drew pictures and stuff to make my dreams realize. The nickname Spacey comes from staring out the window. Hey, uh, why don't you go with us tomorrow? Yeah, I'm going, man. All right, you got it. Here's this dude that writes for the Horse Magazine which I've been reading since I was a teenager. Me and now he's gonna ride with us. We're heading to Pensacola, Florida. When I moved to Meridian, one of the first people I met was Gabe. People know him today as Famous Gabe. He's got a very unique style, very colorful, very imaginative. At least twice a week, somebody comes in and wants to learn how to tattoo. I said, well, let's see how serious you are. Trace me, draw me 50 times, and bring it back tomorrow. And then ask me. They never come back. I've been tattooed quite a bit. He is ruthless. Famous Gabe, he puts the ink in. You can tell that Dave was seriously in some pain. Hey, this is Chris with Cycle Source Magazine. I want to thank you for watching the flagship show of the Source Media Group, Shop Talk. We go live with Shop Talk every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but it's only one of the many programs we offer from Source Media. In addition to that, Wednesday nights we have a show, Cannonball Chronicles, that looks into the life and times of cannonball racers as they prepare for this year's Motorcycle Cannonball. Thursday night, we have Bike Night Live that goes into the bike night culture, the food, the fun, the hanging out with people, and we even have some live entertainment. Sunday morning, Cyber Swap Meets kick off where we have a sort of home shopping network approach to motorcycle swap meets, and we bring guys on that have live parts to sell right there. All of this in addition to our staples, which are Grease and Gears TV, live on the street from the events and rallies, Grease and Gears Garage, Grease and Gears Garage Roadshow. We look forward to bringing more of this type of entertainment to you from the home of Two Wheel Entertainment, the Source Media Group. Okay, it really sounds like a lot when you put it all together like that. Hey, man, so um, here's something we want, we're want. we super glad to see back in the show. It's event time. We actually have some events to Yay. talk about. So I'm going to do this really quick because we got a lot of stuff to go through here, and I know you guys are already long time with us. Um, the Iowa Hog Drags and Nostalgia Reunion, Friday and Saturday, July 3rd and 4th. The Twisted Oz, 
And we've been talking about this on uh, Swap Meet for two weeks. Fourth Annual Twisted Oz Motorcycle Swap Meet Show and Auction. The Great, great Escape, Saturday, July 11, 2020. Um, you, like us, can find all of this information from their Facebook uh, events pages, their websites. Some of the Sturgis stuff coming up for us. Our Sturgis Bike Show. Um, Sturgis Custom Bike Show. 25 different classes we put in this show. But the biggest prize, our honor to give away a Paco rolling chassis. Front to back rolling chassis from Paco. You win that for best of show in our Sturgis show. Don't miss that. Um, speaking of iconic bike shows to be part of in Sturgis, the Full Throttle Old School Chopper Show, 14th Annual, Monday, August 10th, 2020 at the Full Throttle Saloon. Um, we're also going to be out at that taking pictures. We have, uh, for, for one of the classes, we're giving away a feature in the magazine. We're helping out with that show also. Our annual run to the line, run to the line through Van Ocker Canyon again this year. That's my um, favorite day and, in Sturgis. And with Michael. I hope, I hope he's still, well, he's gone right now. But, Michael, you're coming on a ride with us in Sturgis. <laughs> so get ready for that because it's going to be awesome. Um, a new thing that we started last year is the uh, rodeo games. Actually call this the motorcycle or the biker Olympics, right? Yes. So there's. Rodeo games, mini bike drag racing, um, lots of really cool stuff. It's the last Friday of the rally, so we just get together. We raise hell one more time before the whole show's over. And last but not least, Vintage Motorcycle Day. This is the AMCA gathering at the Iron Horse and Broken Spoke in town. Um, Monday, August 10th, gates open at 9 a.m. If you have an AMCA Vintage Motorcycle Club card, uh, come in. We got lunch for you there. Bring your motorcycle ride right in the front park your bike inside it's a killer killer collection a great event that year after year we are super proud to be part of carl olson and the uh what is the blackhawk chapter am i saying that black right? hill it's black, okay black hill sorry so um that's what we got so far but listen man you can have your event here on shop talk we love to help promote stuff we love to help promote motorcycling so make sure you guys get us your stuff send us to cyclesource.com you can go on the website get the email send us your flyers send us your event dates if you only have a facebook event send us that so we can get it up on the show and help you out any last minute words for social media blondie i want to go to a motorcycle party <laughs> <laughs> mark mm, i need a nap <laughs> All right. This, this has actually been a really cool show to to get really the, has to right? dig through the pictures to go through some of these builders yep. and you know Russell Mitchell. God, we haven't seen him and uh, had him be a part of something in a long time. It was it was pretty cool. Rick Fearless is always one Dude, of my favorite. In pre-show, so. I was going over um, one year way way early on, like the magazine was still partially newsprint, and Russell had us out to his house to shoot one of his bikes. Yep. It was a, like I was like a little kid, yep. and. I had a picture of me and him playing pool in his house. And he used to have this shelf on his wall. I should have asked him about that. We actually have a, a bike shot of his that we're going to be yeah. running soon. We yep. have a feature of Russell's coming up. But, well, here, you, go ahead. What? You run the show for a little while. No. <laughs> <laughs> she got me. She got me right there at the end. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my wife. <laughs> All right, listen, man, all kidding aside, you guys have been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for letting us into your headspace, sharing your time with us. Remember, you don't have to watch us on your computer. You can go through your smart television, hit the YouTube channel, look up Cycle Source, or go through Chopper Town where you can get them on your Roku. I know. How neat is that? Yeah. We're not on Roku yet. 
Not on Chopper Town, but no? we're working on it. Oh, okay. Chopper Town is on Roku. We're not on Roku well, yet. Well, Chopper Town's awesome. If you haven't checked that out, killer, killer content that they're putting out all the time. Um, and also, in short order, the Twisted T-Dozer. If you haven't yes. signed up for a chance to win this yet, text two four five eight seven or visit twistedt.com. Um, it's completely free to sign up to win this bike. We're going to be debuting this again in Sturgis because the public has not seen this motorcycle since Daytona. It's an awesome motorcycle, and I really wish we didn't have to give it away. Like this one, I really wish we didn't have to give away. Absolutely. I'm but very sad. I think that maybe uh, it's that time of the night where the train is coming back into the station. We're going to close this one up. Thank you guys again so much for sharing your Sunday with us. And until we can get together and bring you another 90 to 120 minutes, all the bullshit we can fit, same chopper time. Same chopper channel. Bye, Felicia.